Thank you, man. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Well, one thing I love about the Word of God is that it is truth. It speaks it uh, clearly, and even when it's not pretty or fun, even when you don't agree with it, it still speaks the truth. It's filled with biographies, among other things, of men and women, and it shows and tells the truth. Oliver Cromwell was a 17th century English statesman and a hero, and he was known for his authenticity and his frankness. And it is told that one day he sat for a portrait to be painted of him. And he told the painter this, Mr. Lilly, I desire you would use all your skill to paint my picture truly like me and not flatter me at all. But remark all these roughest roughness, pimples, warts, and everything as you see me. Otherwise, I will never pay a farthing for it. Ugly or not, and in reality, all of our lives have some ugly in them. The biographies of the Word of God shows warts and all. It tells us after Noah trusted the Lord so faithfully and built an ark in a desert before it ever rained, went on that ark with all those animals. When he came off that ark, he went to the vineyard and he enjoyed himself too much. It tells us that David was in the wrong place at the wrong time and made wrong choices. It tells us that Paul was very wrong before he became very right. And thank God for Peter. If you've ever said anything stupid in your life and wish you hadn't, you thank God for Peter. Um, And if you don't know that you've said anything stupid, well, pitiful. But anyway, because we all have. And Abraham, in that same way, is known for his soul-stirring faith, but. And over the next few weeks together, we're going to look at Abraham and look at what it means to walk by faith, um, the steps of his faith, along with, because scripture puts it there for us, his butts along the way. Because not only does he deal with those, but so do we. I want you to imagine, if you will, you're in the desert. You are parched in the desert. You look around and there's little hope around You're getting very dry and you are needing relief and you just want a sip of water more than anything else. You'd give all you had just for a drink of water and you look around and you see a a water pump. A, A water pump there and hanging from the pump is a canteen. And that canteen, thank God, is filled with water. And there's a sign on it. And the sign reads, beneath your feet 
is all the fresh, cool water you'll ever need, but the pump will not work unless it's primed with water. And the canteen contains exactly enough water to prime the pump. Sure enough, you open the canteen and there's water in the canteen. What do you do? How old's that note? Who wrote it? Are they reliable? A canteen full of water sure would feel good right now. But a well, whoo! What do you do? If you trust the sign... Do you pour your life away? Abraham had a lot of decisions like that. Tough decisions. Do you keep what's in the hand or do you go after what's in the bush? Abraham believed the promises of God. He is the quintessential model of faith even though He did not come from a strong heritage of faith. The passage we look at today says that they were in in, in Or, and the reality is he was raised there. And Stephen tells us that in the book of Acts. And, And Or was known for their idolatry, particularly worshiping a moon god, ironically named Sin. (laughs) And it is a sin to worship a moon god. Joshua tells us that he and his family, he, he and the family that raised him worshipped other gods. So it was not like Abram went looking for God. No, God came to him. And what we know most about him is his obedient faith. We know him because of his faith. However, I will tell you from the get-go, it was far from perfect. It was strong faith. It was an imperfect faith, but it is here, and God's Word gives it to us as we march through his life together so that we can learn from it. Not just the high points, and thank God not just the low points, but we can learn from from all of it. And so today I want us to look at the call upon Abram's life. That was his name early in his life, and God changed it. The call that was placed upon him. And and if you're like me, when you hear somebody talk about a call put upon somebody, you may think, if you're old-fashioned like me, you may think of a call upon a a preacher's life, that God's called somebody to the ministry. God's called, and and that is true, and I, I believe in that. And I believe that God put his hand upon me, and I believe he revealed it to me so clearly. It was a burning bush type experience for me. And anytime you get down on Monday morning, I go back to the call of the Lord Jesus that he placed upon my life. And I believe the reason why I do what I do and why I continue to do it now, right at 30 years later, is because God placed a call upon my life. So I don't back up on that at all. But the reality is God's put a call on all of our lives in some form or fashion. It's not all for the same thing, but he's put a call upon all of us. And he wants us all to walk in faithful obedience following whatever it is that he's put there before us. 
And how we do it may be very different, but we're to do what he would have us to do. But I'll tell you, the walk of faith is where it's at. Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Don't read over that too quick. I want you to hear what the Lord told him. Go from your country, from your kindred, not just the family you don't like, I mean all of them, and your father's house. And I'm not going to tell you where to go yet. To the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I'll curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. It's a good one to underline if you're an underliner. And Lot with him. He was 75 years old when he departed from Haram. God told him to leave everything as he knew it. And he did. And, and he don't always tell you to leave everything that you got to be obedient, but he can. But there are some characteristics of Abraham's walk of faith that is similar to us when God leads us. And I want you to get that this morning. To walk by faith, you have, it's a have to, you have to walk out of your comfort zone. You can't stay where you're comfortable and go with God. God does not always require you to leave your country, but he might. <laughs> he don't always require you to leave your people, but he might. He don't always call you to leave your livelihood, but he might. But, but to walk by faith he will always lead you out of your comfort zone. You cannot stay where you are and go with where God would have you. You can't do both. Some folks need to change where they are. Some folks need to change who they're hanging out with. Some folks need to change what they're doing. Abram had to do all of that. Everyone does not have to do all of that, but I will assure you that walking with God will take you out of your comfort zone. You cannot stay where you are and go with where God would have you to go. When you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus, it's a no-holds-barred deal. There's no territory of your life that is off limits to the Lord if you're in complete obedience to following him and you're walking by faith. Now, I will be clear about something. God's not going to tell you to leave your spouse. And God's not going to tell you to abandon your kids. And if you come to me and tell me that's what God told me to do, I'll tell you you're wrong. God's not going to tell you to forsake all matters of sense. That's not what God does. As a matter of fact, it's a pretty good sign when you see somebody getting a scurry and make a lot of quick, rash decisions that they can't stick to, that they're off course. 
kind of like a proverb. It's not, not exactly a promise, but it's a good wise saying to understand that when things get a little chaotic, God's not in the chaos. You need to take a break, swallow, and a breath, and a prayer, and see where you're at. He will challenge you, though. He will. He, he will touch on the things in your life that we consider untouchable. He will unsettle the waters of your life. He will rock your world. Vance Havner put it this way. He said, Abraham's tent knew no secure foundations, only pegs driven in the desert sand. I think we have to ask ourselves, how deep are my pegs driven? How set am I in my ways? How set am I in what I want? How, how open am I to follow the Lord? Because to go with God, you've got to walk out of your comfort zone and walk by faith. It is a walk by faith. Not only that, but to walk by faith, we have to trust what God has for us. You have to trust him. God has much more in store for Abraham than he could ever imagine, but he, he could not get it where he was. He had to move out of his comfort zone and trust God. And that's a prerequisite of the Lord. You know what a prerequisite is? It's, a, it's in college, if you take one class after another, sometimes if you take English 102, you have to have English 101. And they won't let you in that class until you followed that. God has prerequisites in our life. And the prerequisite that he has in our life is steps of faith lead to promises, but we have to follow those steps. But you have to trust God and what he has for us. Now let's go back for just a moment and let's see where Abram came from. Because Genesis 11 verse 31 and 32 says this, Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. Now, now, let me pause there. If you know anything about Old Testament history, you may have heard of the Chaldeans or if mispronounced, the Chaldeans, whatever you want to call them. But <laughs> you may have heard of them. They are a ruthless bunch, godless, known for it. They're not just hanging out there. They're, they're, that's where they're from. So we're not talking about a saintly, godly heritage here. We're talking about somebody who's lived in the enemy's land and been one of them. He travels out to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. If you're an underliner, that's a good place to underline. They settled there. The days of terror were 205 years and terror died in Haran. So I want you to get this. They started on their way to where God would do a mighty work in their life, but they didn't get there. They stopped halfway. They stopped at Haran, which would look like a good place to stop. 
It's a good stopping point. When we would travel from Mississippi to South Carolina again and again, after they built Bucky's outside of Birmingham, it's a good place to stop. You know? Not only do you have 250 gas pumps, you got the cleanest restrooms in America, and they are cutting brisket all the time. It's just a good place to stop. Heron felt like that. It's like the Bucky. Well, that's, that's going too far. But anyway, it, 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 it felt like that. It, it was thought of as a, as a promising land in itself. Now, I want you to get this. Abram didn't leave his, his father. He brought some family with him. And he stopped halfway to where he was supposed to go. And interestingly enough, Haran was a key city on a trade route influenced by the surrounding cities of Damascus and Nineveh. And it was probably a place of abundance and an opportunity to be rich. Good place to stop. It was also one of two key places of worship for those who worshiped the moon god. I've already told you about that before. Whose name was? Five of you are listening. Sin. There were two main spots. Ur of the Chaldeans and Haran. And that was where the two temples were for the moon god's sin. And that's where they stopped. Chapter 12 sounds like the call of God came to him after they were already in Haran, but that's not really the case. Stephen, in his powerful gospel-oriented speech in Acts chapter 7, tells us that God told Abraham to leave before he ever left Ur of the Chaldeans. So Abram did not leave his family as he was told. And then he only went halfway to where God led him and he probably had some mixed motives along the way. They stopped at Haran, a supposedly prosperous place, but ironically, the meaning of the word in Hebrew, Haran, is parched. (laughs) So what he thought was promising was not, it was actually parched, dry and spiritually fruitless. Now to me, Heron symbolizes when we do it our way, when we go with God just long enough to where it starts to get uncomfortable or, or when we go with God just enough, when we're going to worship instead of worshiping. And there is a difference. It's that religion without change instead of life-changing religion. It's doing things halfway. And I'm not going to tell you what my high school football coach called that. It's not getting it done. And let me be very clear. I believe anything that we do individually for the Lord Jesus Christ, we shouldn't do it halfway. We ought to do it all the way. And Pickens First Baptist Church as a church of Jesus Christ committed to the cause of Christ, I don't think anything we do ought to be halfway. I believe he deserves our best. And I believe anything we put our name to, we ought to give it everything we got for the honor and the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'll let you sign up in the foyer. 
Never go halfway with God. It will not be fruitful. It's not like you get half the fruit. No, 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 you miss out. It's not fruitful. You'll spend way too much time in unfruitful territory. And Abraham did not leave Haran until he was 75 years old. He stayed there too long, folks. Once his father was gone, he moved on. Sometimes the things you dread the most frees you up the most. Sometimes the transitions in your life that you absolutely dread are the very things that God can use to propel you to the next level. Anybody that is more important to you or whose opinion weighs out more than the influence of God is an idol to you. And it is not that person's fault. Even though they may enjoy being in that position, it is not that person's fault. It is your fault because we have to give up those idols. We must remove our own idols to get to the place that God would have us to be in order to be used of God. We've got to walk by faith. And the only way we can do that is to step out of our comfort zone and to trust God for what he has for us. And then also... To let God have his way in our life. Now somebody is going to tell me afterwards about the sovereignty of God. I agree. He can do anything he wants. And that's true. But he's a gentleman. (laughs) And he doesn't force his way. He gives us a chance. He initiates it. And gives us a chance. And and when we follow it, he blesses our lives. He told Abraham, who's called Abram here, he said, when you do this, verse 2 and 3 says, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I'll curse, and in and you all, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What God tells him sounds impossible because the man is 75 years old. He has no children and his wife has been barren and he lives in a barren, parched land. Not exactly great. But God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. But God says, I'm going to bless you. But God says, I'll make you a blessing. God does the work when we walk by faith. He also spoke of protecting him. He also spoke of blessing people through him. If I understand that correctly, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That sounds like us, folks, that we're blessed because somebody thousands of years ago walked by faith with God. None of that is possible until we surrender, go all the way with the Lord. And when we do, the potential is beyond our imagination. But you say, but pastor, I would commit, but I don't know what's coming. I don't know that I can, you know. The only one that knows what's coming is the one who will lead you to follow him. And he's also the one that will empower you to do whatever he's asked you to do. And if you don't know if you can, I will clearly tell you, you cannot. 
nor can I. That's why God said, you will be a blessing. I'll make you a blessing. I'll do the blessing. And I'll make you great. It is not until we sacrifice our ways for his that we ever tap into what God really has for us. And I will tell you, in Haran, Abraham didn't tap into it. It wasn't until there was a death and a transition that Abram really found his next level. That's a walk of faith. Not that you know what's on life's path ahead of you, but that you know the one that promises that he'll level your path, the one that promises he'll straighten your path, the one that promises he'll light your path. Not that you know what tomorrow holds, but thank God that you know who holds tomorrow and that you can trust him today for whatever tomorrow may hold. There was a letter, a note more so, found in the office of a young pastor in Zimbabwe a few years ago. And it said this, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back. I won't let up. I won't slow down. I won't back away or I won't be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed, colorless dreams and tame visions, worldly talking and cheap giving and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, praise or popularity. I don't have to be right or first or tops or recognized or praised or regarded or rewarded. I now live by faith. I lean in his presence. I, I walk by patience, am lifted up, uh, uplifted by prayer, and I labor with power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few, my guide is reliable, and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I'll not give up, shut up, let up, until I have stayed up, stored up. Prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all I know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. They found that. 
in the desk of a young pastor in Zimbabwe after he was martyred for his faith. God does not want you to die for him. He wants you to live for him. And the only way to do that is to walk by faith. Go and he'll guide you. Come and he'll lead you. With every head bowed, every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you this morning, what is it that's holding you back from giving God your very best? Primarily, has there ever been a time in your life when you've surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? When you said, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have done wrong and I know that I need forgiveness from you. And I ask you to come into my life and to change me today. If that has never happened to you, I got good news for you. Today's the day of salvation. We serve a God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will save you today. And if you feel any impelling toward that at all, I want you to know you didn't come up with that on your own. He's guiding you in that. This part of our worship is designed for you to respond to him and for us to guide you in that process. So as we stand and sing in just a moment, I encourage you to come as God leads you. Maybe you're here and you do know you're a Christian, but the reality is your life does not reflect it, or at least there's parts of your life that don't reflect it. Maybe you've went halfway. Maybe you've not trusted wholly. Will you lay that down before the Lord today? I'm here to pray for you. You may use these steps as a makeshift altar to lay down your life to the Lord, to start afresh and anew with him. I don't know how God's leading you, but I encourage you to be faithful to do what he tells you to do. You may be here and God's drawing you to be a part of this fellowship. You know that God is leading you to be a part of this church. We'd love to guide you in that process. I encourage you to just follow what God would have you do. Maybe you've made a private decision for the Lord, but you've never made that public. And I will tell you that when you miss the first step of obedience being baptism, it will hinder your spiritual life. So if you look back over your life and you realize, I have committed my life to Christ, but since that time, I have never been baptized as a believer. I want you to know that is the first step of obedience and it can be a tremendous hindrance in your life. And by you coming, not only will it bless your life, but it'll bless others as well. Just obey him, just trust him. Whatever, God, whatever. I know it's outside your comfort zone. That's when it gets good, folks. Outside your comfort zone. Lord Jesus, I love you and I thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge of it, dear God. And I pray today, Father, You'll lead us to be obedient in whatever you'd have us to do. We love you dearly. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Stand together.